No lizards. No aliens. No nonsense. This is Reality Bites. Okay, it seems we're live again. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Reality Bites, uh, for the first thing. And still got, got Alan Watts in there, you know, kind of technical things to try and get back up recordings just in case this doesn't work. Okay, anyway, we'll start again. Uh, talking about Ireland and the protests that have been going on there over the past few weeks. Uh, up to 10,000 people a couple of weeks ago, and the latest protest being outside the studios of RTE, the main television and radio provider in Ireland, similar to the BBC in England. And I was wondering if uh, the elites would expect this type of thing, because it's, n- it's not the, the usual thing you see across Europe. It's mainly mass protests in the street. There's nobody actually targeting any specific institution, if you like. And it's good to see the people in Ireland are actually realising that uh, RTE are now the enemy, and always have been. And it's pretty obvious with the reporting of the previous uh, demonstrations protests, which uh, cited a couple of hundred people uh, actually outside Custom House, when the pictures clearly showed thousands of people. And uh, that was the reporting that RTE did. And of course, they, they marred that reporting with the Antifa scuffles, uh, which came to nothing, really. And um, Antifa, of course, become the, the supporters of the government apparently because they seem to turn up at every anti-government demonstration uh, supporting the the other side which is quite strange considering they're trying to bring down governments but um, Scotland on the other hand uh, I know you've talked about the Irish problem the, the Scottish problem etc the past Alan and Scotland seems to have, have gone conquered completely there, there doesn't seem to be any resistance there at all unless unless you know of any no but um, my, my, my son says nothing's happening there and uh, everybody's just complying mm-hmm. England is a, is a funny mix I think uh, there seems to be some things happening in London and Manchester and other places but nothing nothing really like that grabs the attention apart from the, the hijacked event in London at the weekend with uh, the usual suspects coming up and uh, well he didn't mention lizards but uh, he may as well have but uh, there was a speaker there who mentioned closing the schools, which was a, a, a bit of a giveaway because uh, that's exactly what they want to do. And it struck me that maybe Ireland's on the right, the right track and it takes a small country, maybe even an island, to actually fight back and yeah. say enough's enough. The, the government in Ireland has been corrupt for years. It was corrupt when I was there and it's still the same people in power. They're just switching them around, sure. uh, yeah. giving each other a turn. But um, you've just spoken about the, the Irish problem in the past and the English problem, and you've mentioned that, sorry, the Scottish problem, and you've mentioned that uh, there's something about the Celts that doesn't like taking orders from people, basically, and yeah. uh, won't be walked over. And as I say, Scotland seems to have been walked over, but uh, the Irish are still going. What would you put that down to? It's, um, well, Scotland was gone a long time ago, really. Uh, it was the SNP was a Trojan horse, you know. It was um, again this uh, to get the people to really vote for Scottish independence, which isn't independence, as you know. The same as Ireland, you don't wake up from independence into the European Union, which is an even bigger <laughs> uh, group of fanatics at the top. Uh, and so uh, they fell for it. And when you look at all the members of the SNP at the top. At least we called the Communist Party. <laughs> that's what they used to be. These characters—they're international. That's that's their slogan: international socialism. And folk have no idea uh, that communism uh, basically was set up 
uh, and, and advised with a common turn years ago and so on to get back to their own countries after the meetings in Moscow. They come back, like, like Pierre Trudeau did. He led the, the, the Communist Party for Canada in 1952 over to Moscow and came back and then they, they ran as liberals, you see. That was a trick to it. So get in by any, any, any means you can. And once you're in, you start to, to, to implement international agenda, uh, which again is almost like an open border system and uh, masses of migration uh, and displacement of your own people, in a sense, too. Uh, this idea of cheap labor doesn't really wash. Um, lots of the labor that came in, um, it wasn't needed in the first place. <laughs> and uh, that was flooding in even after World War II. But once SNP got up and running, uh, they promise you a wonderful utopia, as always, to get everybody on board with it. And they push women's rights and all these rights for all these different people. And before you know it, you've got people coming into the country that get positions in. I think I heard recently, in fact, that, uh, that the SNP were giving the votes to outside, people outside the country. I mean, what kind of, what kind of nation is it? It's not a nation you see anymore pretty well destroyed. Ireland um, still had the remnants of, of religion, you see, even though it was hammered and hammered for a long, long time. The communist's biggest enemy always, always, always was um, religion. Uh, religion gave them a basis of culture, a cohesive culture, which was awfully hard to destroy. Even when you, you pretty well took most of the religion away, the culture was still there. It was based on the religion, you see. And so that's why they haven't been able to completely annihilate Ireland yet. But they're, they're, they're really going at it pretty good. They're, they put all the, the right Trojans in again into the, the government uh, systems across the board. And, and they're all paid off from outside sources. That's the big one, too. I mean, massive funding from all outside sources to individuals. We don't live in any kind of democracy. <laughs> We've lived in a... In a, in a uh, almost a hypnotic state since World War II, since the big world organization that really runs the world, which you see the WEF, the World Economic Forum, they're quite open about <laughs> their agenda, and it, and it is based on a form of technocracy, and technocracy in the 1930s was a form of communism, a more perfected form of where communism was supposed to go, where experts would rule the world, you see, and... Um, uh, you find it, I think Elon Musk's grandfather or even father was, was part of the system too and was thrown out of Canada at one point in the 1930s for subversion. <laughs> so their idea is to take over the world's resources, which tied right in uh, when, if you look at the Lord Alfred Milner group that, that came out with the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the British Empire, they ran the British Empire, uh, this, this private club. Um, that morphed into the Royal Institute of International Affairs with an American branch called the CFR. They take over the world's resources. Everything you need to live as a human being, uh, individually and collectively in a nation, uh, they would take over as food supplies. That's all energy, all energy. And don't forget that food is energy. <laughs> and, uh, and your heating, uh, electricity, your gas, whatever you're using, all energy would, would be controlled by them. That's exactly what's coming out of the World Economic Forum today uh, with the big crew that decided they have the right to rule the world. And behind all the sustainability uh, for climate change is the same group that simply changed it into COVID, post-COVID, and, and um, austerity. It's the same bunch. We're the problem. Too many of you. That's what they say, you know. It's always been on their own website. They go into this in quite good detail with Klaus Schwab 
uh, Prown office is the same old mantra. There's too many of you. And that's the world's problem. So they're going to make you come to a decision where you're going to accept sterilization. I really mean that. That's where it's all going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, of, of course, there, uh, there's many ways to sterilize people in abortion as well. Yes. And uh, they've been pushing that hard in Ireland for the last five or six years, or yeah. well, longer than that, actually, but they've really been preaching it hard. Well, they're also, they're, they're also definitely going to do they, they, they said at the last meeting last year, for, for the same crew, as I say, WEF, is the same crew that runs all the, the, the climate change agenda and so on, same bunch, and the Club of Rome with them. And, uh, but they said last year uh, that uh, the people were not listening to, the, to, their, to their advice, as they said, you know, of, of the cutting back on consumerism and so on. And so they'd have to do something more drastic to make the people listen. And bingo, you get COVID breaking out uh, around November, December. <laughs> and here we go, and into rationing, you know, uh, a regimentation of the public in a wartime scenario. Um, so it's all, it's all out there. And, and don't forget, too, that Bertrand Russell, all, this is a big group that's been on the go since before World War II, during World War II, and after World War II, that runs the world. Same group. And Russell himself, who, who belonged to all these groups, um, talked about bringing in a, a form of um, credit control. He gave you credits issued by the state. Today it's universal uh, social credit system. And, and you get paid that every month. You get paid not to work even, you know. That was the 1940s and 50s they talked about this. So, so yeah. they're unfolding the whole agenda uh, under the guise of COVID that they couldn't get through with sustainability and the climate change agreements. Under the climate change agreements, they said last year again that humanity was the problem. Too many of you. <laughs> yeah. So, the, 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 and then the Club of Rome came out right after the COVID broke out and said, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll achieve all our goals for sustainability using COVID. And we're, that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you mentioned on your, your broadcast on Sunday, uh -huh. you talked about the rationing and the, the rationing of fuel during the, the war years. Yes. In particular, and how it continued after for quite a long time. Uh -huh. And uh, I was still speaking to a lady in the supermarket yesterday, it was quite, quite unusual, and uh, she was talking about, uh, she wasn't going to use self-service checkouts, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. And she was buying me one of these disabled carts, and they just chatted for a few minutes, and then she suddenly turned around to me and said, um, Why, how did you get here with that mask? And yeah. I said, because I just ignore them. Mm -hmm. She says, you just ignore them. I said, yeah, you just walk in the door and uh, don't listen to what they say. Uh -huh. I said, I've never worn one. Yeah. You know, she said, oh, oh. She said, I was at a meeting yesterday, uh, an educational uh, educational course or something she was on, and uh, she said, there was about 25 people there, and about a third of them had masks on. Uh -huh. And the lecturer stood up and said, uh, before we start, I've been doing this class for 10 years, three days a week, and I've never asked anybody to wear a muzzle. So if you don't want to wear that thing, take it off. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> she, by, by the end of the class, nobody would wear one. But uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there because sure. uh, there's, there's some, some positivity somewhere, you know. Yes. But, uh, getting, getting back to England, I mean, England, England's a funny mix of people anyway, but uh, there seems to be... I, I, would imagine, I would have thought that the north of England would have been protesting a lot more than they are uh -huh. as opposed to the south because, it's just, you know, the south is still pretty affluent uh, compared to the rest of Britain. Sure. And uh, they've not really... Uh, when a recession hits there, it's, uh, they, they, they get brought down to the, the high levels that the people up north usually uh, thought they enjoyed. Yeah. But uh, they don't really suffer that much. 
but uh, and it's not really hit them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do, you, do you think that, um, in particular, the, again, the Irish, because it's an island, uh-huh. it, it's for the elite. It's, it's kind of a target because because it's an island and it's easy to shut it down. It's easy to stop, uh, obviously, food getting in and, and stuff like that, and fuel. Yeah. Uh, for that matter, do you think uh, the rationing could come in there first? Or somewhere similar that they can shut off easy? They've enough um, operatives in Ireland managing the system that they could do it, sure. Uh, and they certainly do have operatives in, inside the system. Ireland is, um, uh, has had its operatives in there since even before World War II uh, running the system. It's a covert system we're living under. Uh, you have one that they call democracy, which folk actually think exists, uh, and the other one is the, the one that really runs the system. And, and you find, um, I mean, I've got books going back to the, the one especially is the 1930s, 1937. It's published by the Rockefeller Foundation, and it was for the British Empire, you know, the future of the British Empire. But what it was, was a book about the transition from the power of Britain having it solely, you know, naval power and the whole thing, and old empire, and, and sharing it with the United States, so that the members of the Council on Foreign Relations there, that's the, the American branch of the same group, uh, talking about the future, and now the war hadn't started, you know, uh, but they talked about the war, the coming war with Japan, that was in the book. All the members who attended, with their names are on the back, all the top politicians, top bankers, central bankers of every country were attended this, and, and the top Communist Party members, because remember Quigley said the same thing, we don't mind, we've got communists, fascists and dictators, and we don't mind uh, all these different members of the group. That's how you run the world. The, the, the terminology is mainly to, to, to distract the public, the general public. Uh, they're, they're kind of puppets in a sense. Uh, and faints, you can look at boxing faints, we get carried away with the terms, we lose track of what they really are, but um, they're all used for the same purpose. So they talked about a post-World War II uh, system in the books, a big thick book too, for members, eh? and um, they talked about restructuring after the war, which hadn't started, remember, with Germany either. After the war, they, they restructured the culture of Europe and uh, that's exactly what they did with Hopkins, who worked for FDR during the war, uh, setting up a system they'd introduced into Japan and Germany after the war, where they'd eradicate their history, you know, and they'd teach children that there was no history. <laughs> Very much like the communists would do, year zero. And that only history was something that was ominous and bad, so you mustn't be taught it. It was too upsetting, so you weren't taught it. So, but it wasn't just for them. Uh, like Quigley said himself in his own books, who was a member of the same organization, he said, um, uh, all, all sides in a war are used for change. He's admitting uh, that uh, there's groups above all of us that, that cause them to bring on the wars, and then they, they direct the changes which they desire, and which they've planned. And that, that's what they use it for. That's how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Germany there, and uh, it's interesting that uh, you know, Germany has been made to feel guilty. You know, the, the youth in Germany uh-huh. particularly have been made to feel guilty about the, the atrocities of the past, which yes. has nothing to do with them. Absolutely. And uh, 80, what, what are we, 80 years ago now? Uh-huh. Um, and it's good to see so many of them uh-huh. start to get out on the streets and say, no, 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 we're, we're, not, we're not going back to that. So yes. uh, obviously that uh, eradication of history has not quite worked, yeah. and a lot still remember. Um, yeah, it's lucky. I mean, it actually, it was really um, a lot to do. This is the double whammy with the internet, you know. 
which is now heavily censored, but at least on the internet there was ways of communicating material to people of their, of their history and their past. They, did, they, they didn't know. Uh, and what a shock it would be to, to, to be at the age of, what, 40 sometimes, uh, and for the first time you're hearing uh, a history that you didn't even know existed in your own country, you know. But, but I, I take the same idea and put it across the world. We're all given fake histories <laughs> pretty well, you know, and um, to a great extent, because we're managed by this supranational organization. Uh, they, they, they do have their members. I've met some of them, and I've talked to them. And one of them actually was the head of the WHO a few years ago, and a head of lots of other organizations. They rotate them around the, 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 like, like, like musical chairs to these organizations. And these people are unelected, and, and they become heads of countries uh, and, and heads of the United Nations at times as well. So, so they, they do exist, and they call themselves different names, like the Guardians and the Elders is another group. Sounds very, very innocuous, the Elders, oh, that's just old. No, no, these people literally have everything that's happened with the United Nations and all the agreements and sustainability and all the rest of it, um, it, it comes from them. They, they, they tell other organizations what to do. And their own, they have a site up there, by the way. You can look it up. And, um, and again, it's misleading because it's esoteric for the public. Uh, you'll think they're just ex-important people that all know each other, like Maggie Thatcher. She was a member of it, too. But in reality, they, they dictate to the other ones. They have power to put people in, in positions of power inside these countries. So never, I mean, these are the same people who pushed for opening the doors completely for mass migrations from Africa and India into Europe in the last few years, you know. That's a lot of power you have. <laughs> well, I was, going to, I was going to mention that because uh, I don't know if you, you saw the thing about Sweden that's happened recently where they supposedly somebody burning a Koran and it set off riots in, uh, yeah. I think it was Malmö. Yeah, and, and I thought, I thought that's that's just what we need right now. Now, yeah. one of these uprisings again. But uh, again, it's, it's it's like Sweden being punished for not locking down its citizens. Um, you know, will set off something like that and cause them trouble. Sure. And maybe it'll spread across Europe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, there's enough Muslims in Europe to cause that kind of trouble. Of course. So of course, uh, oh. that, that that won't be frowned upon. That'll be religious freedom or something. Yeah. Um, but in uh, going back to Ireland, now they've brought in a law that uh, only 15 people can gather outdoors. Uh. Fifteen, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and uh, any organisers of protest can now be fined about ten thousand euros or something. Uh, so I've said to the lads in Ireland, what you, what you need is a thousand organisers uh, with fifteen people apiece. Yes, and, uh, get around it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't get fined. And uh, if all those fifteen people just happen to meet together, well, that's just coincidence. There you go. So uh, in that some yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, fifteen people—that I mean, that's got to include a restaurant with outside seating. I mean, of course. Well, see, the people are doing it all wrong, you know. What you have to do is get black jeans and t-shirts and face masks and just say you're having a demonstration, you know. And, and have with a, matches. Yeah, with, with matches, matches, yeah. And, and, uh, and they'll, be, they'll leave you alone. The cops won't, won't go near you, you know. And you can just have a party and just say you're talking party politics. It's quite simple. Yeah. Well, as I said, it was good to see the, the police in Ireland kind of stood back a little bit. Uh -huh. and let events uh, ensue, and uh, when it got a little bit out of hand, they stepped in and protected the Antifa people from further uh, beatings, shall we say. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, 
But um, yeah, the, the, I think the Irish have got the right idea. Just get them in a corner and put them in the place. Basically. Well, yeah, I watched it leading up to it, and um, I, what got me is I know quite a few people in Ireland. Uh, and uh, some people who'd come in as migrants to Africa, from Africa in Ireland, they're all talking uh, about something, and I, I want you to see what they're on about. It's because some of them had been stabbing white folk in Ireland during the Black Lives Matter, uh, raid, you know, pulling down the, the statues and stuff. They actually were stabbing some folk. They'd picked on some young guy and his girlfriend. And, uh, and, uh, and so they, they, they were divided on where to applaud the guy that did the stabbings on the white fella. Uh, or if it was going too far. I mean, this is all generated from outside the countries, as you know, by the folk who really run <laughs> and bring them in and finance them. Uh, and we know yeah, the names of a lot of them, too, as yeah, that they're doing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, video, the video of that, of that uh, stabbing was quite horrific. Yes. And, uh, how, how that got past the censors on Facebook and all that, I don't know. But uh -huh. uh, there you go, it was up there. And apparently that guy, the guy that did it, was bragging about it on Facebook yes. and Twitter and all sorts of things. And uh, he was he was arrested and released. That's right. And uh, as far as I know, nothing was ever done about it. It won't be. You know, you see, you've, you've got paid. You, 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 I'm afraid to say your your judges and so, are paid off literally from external sources. It's the same with people can't figure out why these mayors in, in, in the states and so on and the politicians and the Democrats are on board exactly, sworn to the same agenda that makes no sense to the public. It's because they're getting paid for it. Uh, they, they, this is what they, they're bought and paid for, all of them. The folk have a hard time believing this, but that's how it really works, you know. Yeah, and it's funny, uh, I, I mentioned to you in uh, an email that I've been down to the, the City Hall uh -huh. to uh, state my case why we should be mandating masks. Uh -huh. Etc. And uh, well, they known full well that, that they were going to mandate it anyway. But uh, it's good to get it on the record that you're giving them evidence, etc. Sure. Uh, so they can't turn around and say they didn't know uh, when something does happen. Yeah. But um, I, came, I came back and I looked up the because Paul was going, oh, you should run for office now. So I'm, I'm not interested in that. Blah blah blah. But just out of curiosity, I looked up uh, how when the le next election was uh -huh. because uh, one of the ladies there was basically making racist remarks about the city. Uh, next door, the next yeah. 50 tours, uh -huh. basically saying we don't want them coming in here spreading the disease. <laughs> she uh -huh. yeah. And I thought, well, what a thing to say. And she's a black lady. I thought, yeah. if a white guy has said that, it be war. I know. You know, but anyway, I went back to see when she was uh, supposed to be up for re-election, and apparently her term ended this May. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so did the deputy mayor. Mm -hmm. So they're not even supposed to be sitting on the commission, but they're there making decisions. So I don't know how that works. I've got to look into that and say, uh, when does your term finish? Uh, as far as I can see on the, your own website, it's already done. So how do you make decisions? Sure. Uh, but, um, See, people don't realise that you're living in a so-called perception management. And through television, a very old science, you know, nowadays, I mean, uh, you, you can literally create whole perception, misperceptions, actually, but directed misperceptions you want the public to believe in. You can get a small group and make them appear like there's thousands there. And look at the BBC that's used uh, uh, mass gatherings in, in India and used it as pretending it was in Iraq at one time after 9-11. Uh, but these were actually mass gatherings in India for something totally different. Uh, and they tried to pretend that all of these thousands of people happy and rejoicing that the U.S. has uh, been, been attacked. No, it wasn't. It's completely fake, and they stole it from a different demonstration inside India. Uh, this happens all the time, so it's perception management. The general population 
uh, I've been raised, as I've mentioned this before, to be literally naive and to believe the mainstream media as an authority. When I was growing up, every person, every working person knew who owned uh, the different newspapers. They knew. Uh, because they'd gone through, all of them had gone through the 1930s as young men, you know, my parents' age, and, um, and the 40s, the war, and all the rest of it. So they, they realized uh, that, that all, all information was a propaganda war, and they knew who was who. And in Britain, of course, you had complete cartels that ran the whole system. Uh, only, uh, it, it was very much like Hollinger in Canada and the States, you know, with, with Conrad Black and and a lot of reporters underneath them that ran stacks of newspapers all the way to Israel, in fact. So, uh, but nowadays, they've done such a good job to bring it back to, to, to now we have the authority. Solely because they're on every night of the week, the same characters giving you the news, they are the authority. And it's perception management. So, so yeah, uh, you don't realize you're living through a play, and I really mean that's a play. What you do with, with big plans to change your, your countries. Uh, never mind the fact you've set up all the top politicians, they're all bought and paid for. Quickly said it too, and he, he applauded it. He was all for it. He didn't believe that the people had the right to sort of choose things for themselves. Uh, but um, if you take everything that's been happening in this last, well, since last year even, and before, never mind all the other things leading up to it, sustainability was a mantra. There's too many people, Club of Rome, etc., post-industrial, post post-consumerist society, going into austerity. They signed all the agreements in the United Nations years ago, and that all, did all the radio shows on it, explaining it to the public. Well, here it is. So, but as I say, look at the COVID thing. It broke out after, after Trump uh, did one thing right. Whoever's managing him, you know. <laughs> whoever it might be, they did one thing right, and that was that, that he pulled out of the climate change agreement. Well, that's when all hell broke, broke loose, because they just had their meeting, they publicized that Soros had an emergency meeting with WEF and went on, and saying uh, Trump is the greatest danger to, to, to the world right now. Now, he's, he's speaking with and on behalf of every top corporation in this planet. They belong to the WEF. And the, and the WHO, they're all in bed. It's all one big organization. Bill Gates is part of it, too, you know. And, and so COVID breaks out suddenly, you know. And I thought at the time, now, this is an agreement with China and the, and the world because they gave us horrible video coming out of China, of all places, where they can censor anything. Nothing comes out there once they want to, you know. And I thought, uh, this folk dropping dead in the streets, supposedly, and yada, yada, and... and uh, big machines going down streets, blowing this mist hundreds of feet up into the air and it's all. Well, this is what they showed, they're getting us prepared for the terror, you see. And I thought, are they all working together? And well, they are all working on together, with, because we're supposed to merge with China into global society. China's supposed to take over uh, as a policeman of the world after all this. Well, how do you bring America down to make China the supreme power? Well, you bring it into poverty, all, all commerce stops, almost, you know. Bring them into a wartime scenario, an internal wartime scenario, using COVID. Famine breaks out, rationing breaks out, all this completely... Re they're calling it, by the way, reimagining society from the WEF. That's where it came out of. Bill Gates put his programs out for, for children to learn through the computer at home called Reimagining Education, 
Uh, so his programs literally are going to be used across the whole world to standardize one information system for every child on the planet, right out of UNESCO's idea, the old Julian Huxley idea, that that's what it's for. So reimagining the police again to eradicate the police forces, bring it, the military industrial complex are all on board. That's why these generals are all on board with it in America, and they're not backing Trump. They're, they're going into a world society. They'll still exist, uh, and they're all they're all they're all paid, they're all paid to pr lobbyists for the military industrial corporations. So they're going to bring in all the electronic um, robots for the streets and so on. And so it's all managed this way. Perception management. The general public must believe it's all real, it's all accident, the accidental view of history, right? <laughs> you can reimagine, uh, reimagine 9-11 um, was just an accident, and, and it happened at a time when the PNAC group that published other countries they wanted to take out in advance, uh, years before, uh, were in power at that time, so they could get started with their agenda. It's always an accident, so it's an accidental view of history. So accidentally, after after the WEF came out with sustainability, we've got to go further and actually promote ideas to even encourage sterilization, revolutionary amongst the people. And Trump comes out and says no to the, to the to bingo, you get COVID. Um, uh, and, and then the WEF comes out again with, with Soros with an emergency meeting, giving uh, coming back with an extra speech. It's up on YouTube, I think. Uh, it's the same. I mean, here's a guy, you don't elect Soros, nobody elects him, they're real, but they're elected by the higher group that runs the planet. And, and no one's objecting to him at the top. Have you noticed that? No, not one person, not the CIA isn't objecting, because he's part of it. Uh, the FBI aren't objecting to Soros. Any, if you were doing all this and you had the money, you would be one of these James Bond characters, you know, like Spectre, uh, these rich multi-billionaires that run the planet, because that's what, that's what he would appear to be, but he's part of a big organization that's funding literally terrorism within your own countries. This is astonishing to watch it happening. Uh, and uh, they'll keep going, internal riots, uh, another perception management part. After the COVID thing, out came, uh, it was the Black Lives Matter, not just in America, but across Britain, for goodness sake. You know, I mean, Britain really is the most lax place of all for migration. Uh, and uh, and if you want to get ahead from coming outside of Britain into the country, there's all kinds of programs to elevate you above even ordinary people there uh, without even paying for education. It's amazing. You know? So they use these armies to terrify the public. It's got a show of strength, and they're like armies, remember, being allowed to do what they did. <laughs> Uh, that, that's other key to it. The very fact they're allowed to do what they did um, tells you that this is all orchestrated and it's, and it's authorized from very high powers above you. That's what well, it's about. You, 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 you saw us as part of the club when uh, he bragged about bringing down the Bank of England and uh, MI5 and MI6 did nothing about it. Because, it. Uh, yeah. part, part of the remit is to protect the, to protect the establishment, to protect the financial uh, institutions, etc. And here's this guy bragging that he brought down the Bank of England and he's made millions of pounds on it. That's right. And, uh, uh -huh. Nothing done about it. Nothing, no. Uh, and uh, he's uh, some private individual who just got lucky, I guess. Well, it's always that uh, way. It's accidental view, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and don't forget that Britain brought him in. You know, when, they, when, they, when they all ran out of Europe and so on, went over to Britain, they, they gave him a free education. Uh, in economics and all the rest. Well, again, London School of Economics, eh? the usual. And um, and then, then he goes into investments, and then, and then he crashes the country's bank. And, and then he boasts about, yeah, and Britain had to borrow billions of pounds to, to bail themselves out because of what I and my two friends did, he says. I mean, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, talk about, 
you talk about perception management and how it's created. Uh-huh. We used to have a, this, I mean, this is, it's called a city where we live, but it's really just a big town. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the main area of the town is really only a, a square mile if you're lucky. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it's spread out in the countryside, but uh, that's, it's, it's rural mainly. Uh-huh. Um, but we, we used to have a local paper, uh, and that, that was shut down a few years ago. Uh-huh. And an, another city nearby uh, was the, the next kind of local paper. Uh-huh. But everybody now buys that instead of the one they used to buy, which is the, the one that covered this area. And I looked into who owned that, and it was the biggest newspaper owners in America. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, of course, uh, here's, here's people thinking they've got a provincial newspaper giving them provincial news. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get the same news as everybody else all across America. Just yeah. to, uh, tell them what to think and what to believe and how bad it is here and how bad it is there or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, how easily it's done. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that uh, that little paper in our town didn't cost much money for these people to take over. Sure. Sure. And the thing, too, again, you can go back into the 30s, and, and even before that, I know the Rockefellers did it, the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, and don't forget, Rock- Rockefeller's agenda was straight in line with the Royal Institute for International Affairs, take over the world's resources, uh, make a, give a limited amount out for, for public investment or, or shares and so on. But, but these corporations were to take over the world's necessary resources, you know. Uh, and that's what he did, was start their oil and... and um, of course, they tried to pretend that they did the antitrust laws and so on, and, uh, and, and racketeering laws, and they, 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 tr- they pretended to divvy up the company when the government went after them for having too much power. Uh, but they simply, and it's been admitted by themselves too, they put out front uh, CEOs with, with fake corporations they set up, buried under stacks of, of, of fronts and so on, until you get to the real information. Uh, and so they still ran all the, the oil industries and the, the gasoline and the petroleum industry. And all the drugs, too, that are made from petroleum. Eh? That was another big part of it, too. So they created the EMA. <laughs> but anyway, you're living through an amazing agenda, which is, again, admitted, too. It's not conspiracy theory. Um, it's quite open if you want to dig into it. It's just that the, because they own the media, you're not going to get your, your favourite newscaster that you, you, you've been raised with to trust, you know, coming on with the news telling you this kind of stuff. They won't do it because they're on the payroll. Of course they are. And they know it too. Uh, when I was small in Britain, there was a guy on the, on the BBC who came on, on every night. And uh, I, can't, I can't remember his name. I, I know his face, but uh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, when he was retiring, I was a child, he was retiring. Um, the, the accolades he got, I think he got an OBE or something from, from, the, from the, the Queen or something like that. And I thought all he did was get on and read the news. But you see, he, he, a whole generation had been raised believing this guy is a real, of, the real thing, you know? An honest guy, a decent guy, you know? A kind of guy that probably brought him through World War II with the same newsreels or something. Uh, and so they believed and trusted the guy, uh, but he's reading scripts written by other people for him. Uh, that's how things really... And that's why they keep these anchor people on the go uh, until they're dropping off the chair, you know, or falling asleep on, on the set. Uh, <laughs> and pay them so much money is because if you can keep them there for a long, long time... I mean, Walter Cronkite in the States was one of them. I mean, every, everything he owned his mouth, everybody believed him. They really believed him, you know. It took years to convince the public to start believing private news companies. It, and it, but today, it's completely accepted that they're all somehow uh, part of the authoritarian natural system. Yeah. But they're just as yeah, fake I as they always were. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think part of the thing in Ireland is that 
uh, what woke them up to that type of thing is because all this corruption was going on in the government and the, the programme that's been going on there for years, the Late Late Show, and they, keep, they, they put in one kind of celebrity presenter every so often, usually uh, an employee of RTE, funnily enough, mm-hmm. uh, gets in there and they bring in these politicians who've been accused of all sorts of nefarious acts, corruption, whatever, uh-huh. and they come on there and they give them such an easy time. Yeah. They, they don't ask the right questions, and this is, a, this is supposedly a live program, although it's, there's a slight delay in it after somebody got on the stage and started uh, doing something. But, um, yeah, they, give them, they gave them such an easy time, and the Irish people start to see through it. So why, oh, why, is, why aren't they asking them this question? Yeah, why aren't they asking sure. them that question? You know, and uh, I think that's, that's really what started their uh, crusade, for want of a better word, against uh, RTE. And I hope it continues, because mm-hmm. uh, it's, I think it's the way to go. And when they were there, I said, you know, you know, lads, you really need to batter down the doors and just take it out because yeah. that, that's what's going to have to happen. And I think it was some, I can't remember what the movies were, but there's been movies in the past or mm-hmm. documentaries or, or it's actually happened where people have broken into TV studios and said, look, this, this is what's actually happening. And they've uh, broadcast it live and, and see what happens. I don't know. But, um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it takes that. Who knows? Yeah, well, as I say, it's so uh, unfortunately. Uh, I've said this so many times that the technique of conditioning children who become adults is almost perfect and again uh, you can't stress enough about Aldous Huxley's comments on, on different TV shows he was on and radio shows and and, uh, and appearances at Berkeley for, for lectures and so on he went through the system and um, I think Mike Wallace's show he was on and that's still up there somewhere maybe I'll have pulled it Aldous Huxley, don't forget he was part, he, he called himself part of the scientific establishment that ruled the world. He, he mentioned there's a dominant minority at the top at Berkeley, you know. He, he says there's a, a dominant minority and underneath it you've got academia and a scientific elite. Now that included psychologists, behaviorists and so on uh, that managed the minds of the public, to, uh, the, the Bernays types, you know, even more advanced than that, of course. But in the 1960s, don't forget, uh, in, on the Mike Wallace show, uh, Aldous obviously mentioned um, uh, that the techniques even then were almost so perfect and are going to get even more perfect or perfected of conditioning the general public. Uh, and there wouldn't be uh, all these sciences would be used against them so carefully and subtly and, and efficiently that, that they could make the public do and accept things that perhaps they shouldn't, it wouldn't be good for them. It was that good, you wouldn't even notice you were going along with something you shouldn't, uh, but today it's so perfect. Look at the COVID, it's a good, a, a good example, where they've militarized society so quickly into utter submission, uh, more so than they even had during World War Two. <laughs> You know, yeah, well, it's, it's amazing to, to be out and about in the stores. As, as I mentioned before, Paula, Paula doesn't really go out that much because uh, she doesn't like shopping, literally, which is great. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, she spends too much. But um, I, I go out, you know, every day or two days, and uh, it's just, it, I'm still astonished uh-huh. that uh, so many people are complying. Uh, but every time I see somebody without a mask, I make a comment. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's like, it's good to see you brought your brain out instead of a mask. That's right. Thing or, or whatever. Yeah. But uh, get, getting on, sticking with the education uh, theme, and this guy in London who was on that hijacked uh, protest, shall we call it, uh-huh. uh, who demanded the schools be closed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, in, uh, I think it was Tennessee here, the, the, the parents are now having to sign waivers to say that they will not uh, be in the same room as the, as the student 
while we're yes. getting the lessons. Uh-huh. And, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? It's, I know. <laughs> it's, it's just insane. But, uh, but they're actually doing it. I mean, I, I, I think I'd be refusing to sign anything to say, well, hold on a minute, you wanted home education, you're getting home education, that's the end of it. Yeah. And, uh, but I'll be in charge of what uh, comes through that computer screen. Uh-huh. And as, as you... Yeah, they mentioned uh, television before, how it's a, a weapon and uh, the, the flicker rate on the television. Yeah. And that's, as the televisions have got more advanced, I'm, I'm sure that's working even better. It's actually better because, uh, I mean, I did the old the old TV sets with the flicker rate and the frequency flicker and so on, where they used back then uh, to bring them into subliminal states, you know. Uh, but once you got into high definition, that, that was so weaponized, because I read the stuff from the Pentagon on it, you know. Uh, they, they put a lot of uh, literature out years ago on it, and maybe it's still up there, but they talked about what they could do with the high definition. Because, you see, uh, if you go into basic techniques of, of even meditation, uh, you can change the, the states of your, of your mind, the brain patterns of your mind, uh, alpha, beta, and so on. And... Um, the old TV set could do that. That's when the children uh, would sit and stare with their mouths wide open. You know, three-year-olds, four-year-olds staring at TV or cartoons. Even when they changed to a different cartoon, they were hypnotized. And this is well understood in psychology and, and psychiatry and, uh, and behaviorism. So anyway, once you brought in high definition... Uh, it, it literally, your eyes don't see like that. If you look at something close to you, the stuff in the background behind the object is more blurred. That's how your eyes operate. Uh, so in high definition, from the start of the picture, the closest objects and the first, they're all, they're all equally uh, clear. Uh, so it alters the brain patterns and, and, very, and it's well tested already they knew before they gave it to the public uh, it puts you in a, a different transit state almost you're way more suggestible than you normally would, have, would be and, and they know this and, and time will pass by the way you'll, you'll lose track of time and you won't know where it went but the Pentagon yep. went further and the Pentagon admitted that they had a whole bunch of programs this is like 15 years ago um and, and even later, where, where they could uh, they could target people or even, even the whole population with pixel rates, uh, concentrating with colours, very very subtle colours in certain parts of the of the screen that would affect different parts of your brain, uh, and you really wouldn't be conscious of it because you're watching the story, you see. Uh, but they could actually manipulate the public. It was very effective and very efficient and, and workable. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's where I was going to go with the the teaching in the home or on the computer sure. the, the computer <laughs> monitors now are more advanced as well yeah so they're getting into the high definition as well of course so you can imagine a child sitting in the room and the teacher can basically tell them anything yeah and uh, they'll be sitting in that catatonic state for however long the lesson is 40 minutes 50 right. minutes uh-huh. and then they get a five minute break or whatever and then they go on to the next one and the next one and on it goes and they're sitting there for before they know it six seven hours yeah and the parents got no input whatsoever got no control over it and these children, uh, well, I mean, even if they actually go to the school, uh-huh. they're being taught um, not to share. Yeah. They're not allowed to share pencils and pens anymore. They're not allowed to um, even associate with each other. Uh-huh. Uh, their desks are six feet apart or whatever it is. Uh, they're not allowed to play outside. They're not allowed to do this, that, and the next thing. And they're, they're being taught selfishness. And who knows how that's going to be backed up on uh-huh. the computer 
uh, what they've been really taught. Well, well, what, what it is well, was explained. It was explained back in the 1920s. We, we were coming to know, you know, uh, because some of the best propagandists that the that the elite have always used authors. Uh, they make them stars, just like you make singers stars, and a star-making machinery, or actors, you know. And, <clears throat> and this is admitted to, by the way, uh, by, if you ever watch the, <laughs> uh, the documentary put out by, about the Unabomber, you know, uh, why he was attacking certain professors in particular university, it was because they had, they were, he said they were part of a system that was going to change society and, and uh, literally control our minds, you know. And, and he and it came out <laughs> during the inquiries that these professors had been involved in psychedelics and drugs and strobes and so on, which eventually used in discos, you know. Um, a great documentary uh, to see that, that he was part of an experiment himself, and he was a professor, remember, the Unibomber. But as a student, th these same uh, guys had experimented with him. And it, was, it came out during the documentary, which came out from Germany eventually. Uh, and but you, you, when you see how far they'd gone then, and then some of these professors talked about it uh, on the documentary. One of them was a, b belonged to a star-making machinery. He said, "Where we make we make scientists and the people you see on TV stars. You know how they give you the stars. You know the the, the professor who talks science and so on, and they give them these personas and backgrounds and and fake reality backgrounds and so on." Uh, and uh, made them stars. It's the same star-making star machinery. The same ones that gave you Carl Sagan, by the way. And, and, these, and people believe them. <laughs> wow, these guys are brilliant. Yeah? They don't realize. No, these are, these are, they're almost actors, <laughs> some of them. And the people follow what they say, though, meticulously, like, like they're religious leaders. And that's how you control society. You put these characters out, make them into stars, and the people follow. That's why they call them the stars, even Hollywood. People follow stars, you see. So you use them, you make them and you use them. Just like the CFR put Clooney in there and Angelie Jolie and others. Um, and they said in the CFR's own books, you know, foreign affairs or magazines, uh, they were using them because people would follow what they said if they were on board with the agenda. <laughs> so it works awfully well. And that's your whole TV is, 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 is so incredibly weaponized today that youngsters who are brought up with it don't have much of a chance of breaking away from it at all. And that's the, also the terror machine for COVID. That if it, without TV, uh, people would have ignored it. Well, I've, I've said that to people in stores as well. I said, you need to come off your television. And if, if, if you did, you wouldn't, know, you wouldn't know there was anything wrong. That's right. You wouldn't know there was anything. And that's why, and, uh, by the way, that, that one month or so or six weeks in the summer, and I knew they would. I even said this back in February. That's what would happen. I said, they'll give you a break in the summer rather than have total revolution uh, and uh, counter-revolution. Anyway, because it's part of revolution, you see. So um, they wouldn't have counter-revolution go against it. And, and sh in those few weeks... Uh, you saw that uh, the people started to smile again. You could read the faces of people uh, because we, we, we communicate with a whole bunch of expressions and nuances and so on uh, because we're human and we're social creatures. And with, when that's masked and you can't see it, it makes everyone else suspicious. You don't know what they're thinking, what are they feeling, are they, are they pleasant, are they unpleasant? Well, you can't tell. It's meant to do this. They know this, you know. And uh, so it breaks down communication. So in the, the few weeks in the summer, they gave you an, an, uh, a bit of freedom and a mask came off. The folk went right back to happiness. Uh, the, the social distance went out of the window. 
and, and, and it's getting ignored. So they can't have it ignored because this is a big, big agenda. And it's nothing to do with COVID, actually. <laughs> it's everything to do with, yeah. with the whole system. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my friend's living in Sweden at the moment, my English friend that I used to live with in the UK. Uh, and uh, he's, he's no intention to go back to the UK. He says, this is like, this is like paradise compared to the UK. Yeah. He says, there's absolutely nothing happening here. There's no masks, no of that. Uh-huh. No social distances. There's not even signs out. There's nothing. And uh, he's, he's done a trip to Germany recently where the, the, even to get a cup of coffee, he had to give his name, address, where he was going, uh-huh. ID, everything, uh-huh. just to get a cup of coffee. Yeah. And uh, I've got a guy on Sunday, actually, who's a friend of his, and he's going to be reporting on what's been happening in Germany with protests and stuff, so that should be interesting as well. Sure. But Because uh, he was in Sweden for a while as well with him, so he's got the contrast. Uh-huh. But um, the... Yeah, the, the school thing is, uh, if, if you were a, a parent and you were even remotely aware of what the WHO uh, yeah. wants to teach your children in terms of sex education, mm-hmm. and they said to you, you've got to sign this waiver so you're not going to be in the room when he's getting taught this, that your, your alarm bell should be ringing oh, off the wall. Sure. I mean, but uh, they're not, apparently. They're just, I mean, people are signing this stuff. I mean, uh, maybe they, they sign it and they're in the room anyway, but... Uh, of course, there's a camera on that computer, uh, so you've got to stay out of sight of it. Mm-hmm. If you sign that waiver, or they'll prosecute you. Or yeah, supposedly. I don't know. But um, it's been such a long of... time in the making. You see, the uh, again getting back to H.G. Wells in the 1920s as a propagandist, he was made a star. He was he was recruited in the late 1800s. You know, he he initially came out for free love, by the way. But back then, late 1800s, you know. At a time when uh, they didn't have the abortion factories on the go. But that was part of the destruction of the family unit. And this amazing guy, H.G. Wells, was heavily promoted. He had all the help for his books from professors of all kinds at Oxford and so on, who who would lay out all the the details for his books. Um, He he was really a front man. And he was completely on board, naturally. When you're well paid, you're you're on board with an agenda. And um, in his non-fiction books... Uh, he, he went he, really far with it all. He, he talked about the modern utopia uh, and how, uh, he, like, like going through a storyline with, with his friend on, on a, an escape, a, a holiday, and there was no private transportation. That's like Agenda 21. Uh, you could, could travel by bus and trains. And the general population with the lower IQs that weren't need, necessary anymore, all the working class, had been, had, he says, we used to think we'd have to kill them. But we realise it's more humane just to sterilise them, and, and this is this is um, like a, a, a talking, walking walk through uh, what they foresee, they, they foresaw was going to happen. You know, don't forget that he worked with Julian Huxley and many others. Eh? Um, he, so he also, he, also, he also mentioned that uh, carbon would be a currency, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But well, he, 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 he went through the whole agenda sexually. Um, at the break, because again, he was all for the, the end of the family unit. It's not odd. It's the same as same agenda as the Communist Party. Eh? And and who who funded the Fabian Society that Wells belonged to too? Uh, and it's the Astor family, the, the biggest richest folk in the planet at the time. Uh, so, so the, and, and again, the Fabian Society was again the, this pretense, uh, which they get where they get the working classes to follow them. That was the idea of it. Uh, and so whenever you follow, I keep telling you folks, if you follow anything, you're being led at the garden path, somebody's using you. And so they always give you the parties that's going to speak for you, you see? Just like they get the, the BLM, the Marxist groups, to, to speak for black folk in the States. That's, 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 so they're already made for you to follow. They're all, they're all white. 
I know. Have you noticed it? I mean, it's, uh, it's just amazing. And they bust them in from state to state, according to where the riots to be. And they're, they're paid mercenaries. And by a lot, a lot of them, by the way, have been over there in Syria fighting with mercenaries over there. Yeah? As mercenaries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned H.C. Wells and the, the abortion industry and stuff. I think at one time he was, a, he was one of Margaret Sanger's uh, hangers-on, or lovers, whatever yes, you want to call them. that's right. And what I'm seeing now, I, I, I made me think of the, the movie The Time Machine. Yeah. Uh, that was Wells as well. And the, the, the scene by the river, uh-huh. the person falls in the river. Yeah. They're all just sitting about thinking, well, we can't swim. And the guy, <laughs> the guy who's come back from the, the future, uh-huh. or it's, it's, sorry, he's gone into the future, and he, he jumps in the river and rescues her, and they're going, what, what are you doing that for? That's right. What are you doing that for? She, she was obviously worthless. She couldn't swim. It's her own fault, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, I think that's where we are now. Nobody gives a damn what happens to anybody else, really. Well, you're, you're, you're right, actually. The, the, again, there was one, uh, a case in the, the U.S., I think it was, on a train station, on a subway station. Uh, and some guy started raping a girl right in front of all the passengers on the, on the platform, you know. And and not everybody just stood around two photographs of her with their cell phones. I mean, well, that, that's what it's going to come down to. <laughs> yeah, there's a case of one of the activists in, in Ireland, Gemma O'Doherty, I think it is, uh, was, was violently assaulted by some thug uh, just at the weekend there. And, uh-huh. uh, she, got arrest- she got arrested. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, as I say, like, people... People stand about and watch this stuff and don't get involved, and they, they do so at their own peril because they'll be next. And uh, uh-huh. it's like, was it uh, Nyman or Neiman said? Uh, yeah. And then they came for me, and there was nobody, nobody to stand up. Well, well that's what I'm saying. You're, you're, living, you're, living, you're living through a script, a script right now, Neil, because, as I said, look at the, the build-up to the COVID with China, you know. And at the time, uh, there was nothing happening, supposedly, with all these videos in China that they weren't putting across the rest of the world to terrify you. And at the same time, you had Fauci saying, I don't think America's got, or the US has got much to worry about at that time, remember. Uh, but so, uh, you had all that happening. But when they let loose uh, the topping the statues, worldwide this happened. Come on here, worldwide? I mean, aside supposedly with, with shootings inside the US, but you aren't having that across Europe. So how come this organized group is, 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 is allowed to go around toppling statues in the UK? Uh, and it, once again, it's all called protests, right? And they were all, most of them were migrants that had flooded in a few years earlier yeah, into Britain. Uh, and they were warned at the time, these are our armies they're bringing in here. Well, this is all shown to the public to get you scared. This is why you're seeing all this stuff, and it was the build-up to all this, to, to get you terrified, to comply, because this is an internal army which the elite will use. We know who's funding them, and we know who the leaders are, by the way. They're, they're well-funded agitators, and not just Marxists. They're, they're mercenaries. A lot of the guys in Antifa, literally, as I say, have been, have been over wor- working with um, the groups that the U.S. was employing to try to overthrow Syria for years. Uh, you know, you had that, the ISIS, ISIL, and ICE, and all the, all the fancy names they gave them. All the same groups, really. So, so this, is an, uh, this is run by the world, the world government. Let's put it that way. All this is run by the world. It's all stage play, the theater for the public, to terrify the public. Because when you put, add that shock to the COVID, right? This is another shock. My God, is this, uh, they're going to overthrow the whole city of London or what? This is how it appears on TV perception management again. Uh, then, then the folk go into a shock state, literally shock. And when you're in shock, you can't think straight. You, you're more compliant. You'll do what you're told because you're fearful. 
This is stage managed, all of it, with professionals at the top. Yeah, I yeah. think back to that uh, the movie Children of Men, uh-huh. and at the, at the end of that movie, they showed you these hordes of uh, Muslims uh-huh. uh, running through London, chatting Allahu Akbar, etc., etc., uh-huh. with uh, Kalashnikovs. And yeah. they actually had nothing to do with the story whatsoever. Yes, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> sure. They were just throwing it there at the end, and you mm-hmm. know, well, where, where did that come from? That's right. Because that, that's what they showed you. There's, there's an army mm-hmm. uh, of, uh, of immigrants, basically, well-armed, uh, sure. obviously well-funded, to get to get all these weapons, uh, marching through London, basically, mm-hmm. taking it over. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're now coming at a stage of total uh, depression, mm-hmm. and, and all these immigrants were supposedly brought in because uh, there wasn't enough people to fill all the jobs. Yeah. Well, what jobs? What was the excuse now? Uh, of course. I'm going to get a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. So, and they're still coming in. Sure, they are. Yeah. But remember too that isn't it amazing that the, the, the communist idea uh, or the Marxist idea was was eventual elimination of borders and nation, the nation state. Marx said eventually the nation state will wither away. Uh, and at the same time, you've got the Royal Institute for International Affairs that runs the, what was called the British Empire, even today, <laughs> the, the, the so-called Commonwealth Nations. Uh, and they, they put placements, they decide who's going to be the heads of them, even to this day, uh, including India. Um, uh, they, they literally planned the, the, the whole system years and years and years ago and published the, the, what they really do. And you're living through it, and folk are so ignorant of the facts, you know. That, that they can't believe it when it happens. <laughs> You're living through a planned overthrow, takeover of your nation, and to, to go under a form of world government uh, that you don't get a chance. It's a, and it's a post-democratic system, according to WEF and the Club of Rome. Well, yeah, I mean, TV, TV news is terrorism, basically. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, and uh, I, 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 I tried to look up and get some T-shirts and stuff like that to, to wear around, and I thought, oh, it's just way too expensive. People are... People are jumping on the bandwagon. It's like thirty dollars for a T-shirt. Yeah, that. it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, bought, I, bought, I bought some white ones and a, yeah. an indelible marker. I'm, I'm just going to make my own for, for yeah. four dollars, and then uh, just write things on them and just walk around and see if I get a reaction. Because I've, I've got one that I did buy, which said uh, "Good people disobey bad laws." Yeah. And a lot of people have stopped and said, "That's that's that's right." And I said, "Well, keep doing it. Sure, keep doing it." Because there's a lot of bad laws coming. Oh yeah. And, uh, you better start disobeying them shortly because uh, if you don't, they'll get worse. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's the, that's the side. Um, we're, I mean, we're living in an evil, evil system. There's, yes. no, there's no doubt about it. And I, I don't understand how people can't see it when uh, they look around the world and see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in relation to... Uh, people now are so um, immune, shall we say, to, to bombings of weddings and stuff in Afghanistan or wherever, they think, oh, well, they, they must have been up to something. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they were getting married. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, yeah. things like that. And they're, and they're just, oh, well, they're, just, they're over there. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't understand that the same laws apply within America or Britain. Yeah. They, can, they can come and bomb you any time they want to. Sure they can. Yeah. Um, but it is evil. I mean, with, without a shadow of a doubt, it's evil. Oh, absolutely. And, and what you were talking about on Sunday mm-hmm. in regard to psychopaths, yeah, and uh, some of the lads in Ireland, you know, uh, religious connotations, etc., etc., and of demons, yeah. people being possessed by demons, uh-huh. and it made me think about. Uh, I was out mowing the grass today, and I was thinking about Culloden, and I've been there a few times. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've been there or not in your lifetime. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, but it's yeah, it's it's one of those very very strange places in Scotland where you can't feel if you're Scottish. I guess I don't know how it is for people who aren't Scottish, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you can sense. Something went on there. Yeah. 
you, you, you can sense that it's that whether it's in your blood or not, I don't know. But yeah, you get out of the car or whatever, and you stand there and you look across it, and you can imagine the slaughter that went on, and and you, you get this overwhelming sense of sadness or uh, sure. you know empathy for the people that died there. But I mean, on both sides, it doesn't really matter. But uh, mass slaughter on both sides, uh, predominantly the Scottish side, of course. But um, I, I thought about a psychopath going up there uh-huh. and standing there and smiling and thinking, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is fantastic, all this slaughter, blood and gore and stuff. And, and went back to what you were saying on Sunday about the, this possession mm-hmm. kind of thing. Sure. And, and it's the total opposite of what I would feel. And I'm thinking, well, my feeling would be empathy Yeah. Uh, for, for the people that were killed. And the psychopath's feeling would be uh, joy, I guess. Uh-huh. And and maybe a wish to repeat that themselves mm-hmm. and to be involved in that kind of thing. And in that sense, I don't I don't know if that's where we, you were going with that mm-hmm. um, conversation on Sunday or not. But th- in that sense, they are possessed by something. Oh yeah, because because ordinary people would, would never ever think that that was a good thing. Uh, not not in any shape or form. It doesn't matter if, if that uh, field was full of English soldiers. Yes. You, you, you still go up there and say, well, they were just poor lads conscripted and, and thrown into battle they knew nothing about, uh-huh. basically, and they were just left their slaughtered. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you were on. Uh-huh. Um, and, but, but a psychopath wouldn't care. If you did just see my slaughter, they wouldn't care what side he, anybody was on. That's right. And get, get joy out of it, or, or get some, I, I, I don't know what the right word is, power, I suppose. Yeah. Uh-huh. Feel some sense of power uh, in themselves that they could maybe be involved in something like that. Um, do you want to kind of elaborate on that? Because you, you said you've seen the sense that yourself and some people that have... Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt at all about <laughs> people like that. No. Um, we know that, for instance, a good example is Winston Churchill. Uh, Winston Churchill uh, wanted war. He was placed in there by, by again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. He didn't even know the name of it at the time. He, he argued with the group that put him in, you know. In Parliament, he came out with a, an argument. He says, he says, we've got people running this country that we've never even heard of, he said. An organisation, he said, that, that we haven't even got a name for. Well, that, that was eventually put in Carl Quigley's book, Tragedy and Hope. Uh, that, that, and, um, and the Anglo-American establishment. Uh, book. He, he went through it all. He said he gave the history of it, and and he said that he mentioned that Churchill too came out arguing <laughs> about what they've been doing, because uh, Churchill was still doing his uh, pretense uh, about Germany, um, uh, trying to play it, soften it a bit as he as he pushed ahead with the for the war, um, and and this other group. Uh, uh, that we now know is the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Before then, they were called the Kindergarten Group, or, or Milner's Kindergarten, because he picked these guys and made them heads of countries like South Africa, you know, uh, and, and parts of India, to like viceroys. You know. So anyway, um, uh, he himself, Churchill, was a psychopath, you know. A long history, he never made his lineage and the whole thing, and his parentage, but the fact is... Um, uh, during the Boer War, he went over as a correspondent, you probably know that, uh, and correspondents were not allowed to carry firearms, because if they, if they did that, they'd be put down as a combatant, and the enemy could slaughter you and anybody with you, or like tr- on trains and so on. Well, he did the very, he did, he carried a, 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 a Mauser, a, a semi-automatic uh, pistol, with him, a German one, and um, 
uh, he did get folk killed when he started shooting at the people from the train. And, and of course, they, 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 they opened up on the train and killed a lot of people. But they made him a hero. But he was a psychopath, you know. And his, his um, personal secretary put a book out called The Fringes of Power. Uh, quite, it's interesting you read it because <laughs> the guy literally had a great time through the war. They had parties every night of the week, you know, big, big meals and all the champagne and brandy, etc. And, and underground bases in different places and places outside London. It was just like an ongoing big party for Winston Churchill, who couldn't get out of his bed before noon, you know. And... Uh, but he, he, Churchill himself stated, and I gave it this talk years ago, uh, he, he stated that, um, he says, that this war is wonderful, he says, we'll achieve our long, uh, our old, old dream of a united Europe. You know, but, but whose dream was this? <laughs> because you wouldn't find it in the general history books, but then you find it from Karl Marx. Isn't that odd, eh? how they both worked together to the same agenda. Marx talked about the creation of a united Europe with a parliament, a united Americas with a parliament, and a far eastern group under a parliament. The same bunch that's un 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 today under free trade, NAFTA for, for North America, and uh, they've changed the name of it again too, um, with the America, uh, Canada, and, and Mexico. But it's the same group, you know. And the Far Eastern Rim group has members based in Japan and in China and Australia. So uh, they've been working for the same agenda that Karl Marx was working towards. And under these three trading blocks will eventually merge under a singular world government. Well, it's happening. Well, how come the communists were all going on the same road as the technocrats, as, as the same with the banks and the capitalists and so on, all going along on the same agenda? Because at the very, very top, it's obviously all one. Well, you, you've got a bit of irony there because uh, you've got Edward Heath, the man who ran <laughs> uh, like Prime Minister yeah, in the yeah. UK on a ticket of, uh, we'll never join the European Union. That's right. Uh, the first thing he did was sign up and they buried him next to Karl Marx. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and also Ted Heath, uh, he, he also uh, was a member, was a member of that group in Korea, the, what was his name, that had the, had the cult for the weddings and everything, um, mass weddings. Remember that, that, um, that guru that in, in Korea, uh, and he, he would marry about 300 of his followers to, to, to members of the opposite sex on the same day sort of thing. Uh, Ted Heath was a spokesman for that. He could pay millions of bucks for that, you know, after going out of politics. But, this, but talking about him, what he said, uh, the same thing happened in Canada. Uh, you, you had Chrétien, who was a prime minister, saying that he would never, you know, join uh, a, a United uh, Americas. Uh, and in, he, in a, once he was in it, said he's now the champion. Within a month, he's now become the reconsidering it. He's now the champion of a completely integrated Americas. And then after that, yet yet Mulroney, Brian Mulroney, doing the same thing. He ran on the same ticket to take you out of it, you know. And he became the champion of it once he was in. So it didn't matter if it was liberal or conservative. It's all one agenda. They're all part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back to the the, the evil and this uh, type of possession, I think uh, Gates is a is a perfect example of that because when you see him talking, uh, uh, particularly the the recent videos that have come out with him uh, talking about injecting genetically modified organisms yeah. directly into the arms of babies, and you see him and his wife yeah. sitting next to each other grinning like uh, yeah. you know cats that have found uh -huh. the cream, uh, and 
they're, they're clearly sick. They're clearly oh, oh, they're, they're, these people literally, uh, uh, you feel it off them. You know, before you, if you hadn't even heard them, you'd feel it. If you're, if you're in their proximity, I would feel it. And and uh, well, they, they radiate uh, something. They radiate something that's very tangible. Yeah, as, as you know, in the past, uh, I had the dubious pleasure of hanging over David Rockefeller's shoulder uh-huh. at his dinner table, and yeah, you could feel it. From yes, him. he he was. He oh, well, I remember, you know. Uh, I mean, again, Malachi Martin had a lot of, I believe, a lot of failings because he helped sink the Catholic Church to an extent with the, with uh, basically the re- reformation of it, the reforming of the Catholic Church in the 1960s. Uh, he literally w- was an enemy agent, but he also belonged to the CIA, you know, and he admitted that on, uh, in a roundabout fashion on Art Bell show years ago when he talked about the fact that the CIA used Jesuits and other priests, because they, they were across the whole planet, you see, within communist countries and other countries and so on. So they would get information that was happening on the spot at the, in real time. So they all worked together in some cozy relationship, but Malachi Martin himself was, was literally also uh, being funded by a foreign power for, uh, at one point. And, um, but, and, and yet, ironically, uh, as he got into writing his books, uh, as the Catholic Church w- was failing, because it got too materialistic, you see. If I, don't forget that the priests can only be as staunch as the general public if you've got a, a, a worldwide attack intergenerationally on the culture of the public that they don't even know is an attack on them. They think it's called progressive, remember, by the other side. Uh, then, then they think it's all developing naturally, and with it becomes comes science. Science becomes elevated to high pinnacle to fill the void that spirit, uh, uh, spiritual matters used to take. You see, and that's what's happened. That's where you've been bombarded with science and experts, like Bertrand Russell said that they would do. Uh, they've done it well. The, the, the general people in the Catholic Church are only pulled out as priests. Uh, from a very sec- almost a secular society, which means they're tainted themselves. But Malachi Martin, after helping to to destroy uh, part of the, the the national traditions of the Catholic Church, uh, who knows why, inadvertently restored something that was sorely. Uh, it was like it was like giving water to folk in a drought. He started to touch on the spiritual side of things, you know, uh, and uh, and it was an immediate success because. That's what folk crave. We know there's more to this world than just... Uh, if, if you believe in nothing but secular systems, you're finished. You won't, you won't beat well, it, you see? Uh, I, think part, I think that's part of what's going on in Ireland. Uh, there's a lot of uh, speakers now, uh, these, uh, these uh, you know, peaceful protests until Antwerp show up, um, talking about the, the fact that there are aborted babies and vaccines, etc., etc. Sure. And it's getting people thinking more about the... Uh, the religious roots. That's right. Like. Well, well, once uh, you, once once you get into Mark and Martin's books, like uh, the to the to the devil was it the hostage to the devil is called. The yeah, hostage to the devil was that was our main one. We did Witswipe House and other ones too, but hostage to the devil was taken from real cases verified by their priests. You know, it wasn't just made up. Um, and, and he goes through the different things that harmed the individuals with real heavy heavy possession. Um, and as he was discussing that too, that same book, he was discussing it on the Art Bell show years ago. He did mention that he'd, he had met, because Bell asked him, have you met anybody who was really heavily possessed? And uh, took him to talk about perfect possession. And perfect possession, um, there's no fight or struggle between the person possessed and, and the spirit possessing them. 
or the demon, you know. Uh, it's a happy union. And he, he talked about the Kissinger types as an example. You know. I, I guess you'd tack in the, the Brzezinski types too, um, or even Stalin types. You know. <coughs> so <laughs> he said that um, he met, he, he gave an example of someone he'd worked with on and off over years in a library situation. And uh, one day he just saw uh, the guy in a, from a particular angle, and it hit him what was odd about the And then he realized this guy's possessed. And as he, he realized that, he said, the person he was talking about, that he knew, looked at him and smiled. He says, oh, you know. They know what you're thinking, you know, at times. And uh, I call it reading. They can read you, you know. Um, and um, sometimes you can read them as well. But definitely, it ex I have no problem accepting the fact that exists. None at all. I've had too many experiences of it in other people. Uh, you, you, know, you mentioned the past that uh, psychopaths like, smell, the, smell the, way, the way the wind's blowing. Uh -huh. And uh, it's, it's that type of thing. If they, if they see they can take advantage of you, then they will. Yes. Uh, oh. they, if they can sense that, that you're a, you're a vulnerable person. It, it, it isn't even, you know, it's, not, it's not even a, a study of you. It, it's instinctive with them. Uh, they read you instantly. It's not even work to them, you know. Uh, and that's that's this odd gift. That is it a gift or is it a demonic gift? Or what, what is it that makes them so quick to literally see right through? They know any any chink in your armor, uh, and they know what to, how to exploit it immediately. Uh, if it's a woman they're after, a guy or a woman <laughs> these days, um, they'll immediately know how to at attract that person to them and get get beyond their defenses. Instinct is pure instinct. Something tells them how to do it. So when, when you take the signs and symptoms of a psychopath on one hand of a page, one side of a page, and it's a long list, you know, because there's different categories of them, uh, which is also similar. To, the whole point is the other side of the page put down the signs and symptoms of someone who's demonically possessed, and you'll find they completely match. Complete. So that for the secular group, they're called psychopaths, and for the religious group, you can't uh, demonic possession. Yeah, well, as I say, you can, you can see it in Gates now. I mean, more clearly than oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think perhaps, I, think he, I think perhaps now he, he's at that, that, that uh, you know, he's looking over the field of Culloden and he thinks he's won. Yes. And he, he thinks, uh, this is it, I've got, this is my, my day in infamy. I'm, I'm going to live this, I'm going to live... I'm going to survive to see my dream come true, kind of thing. Sure. And that, that's that's what it's like. And uh, he's not he's not an old man. I guess he's he's got another forty years or so to live with uh, the the good healthcare that he gets. Oh yeah. But, um, he's, he's certainly going to see his dream come to fruition unless he's stopped. It, it, it's it, it's a great example, actually. He is a great example of someone who is perfectly possessed. You can see uh, behind, e even on a, on a clip from a television, I don't have TV, but I get clips sent to me on the internet and so on, but you can see uh, in the guy's eyes uh, that they're furtive, they're, they're constantly moving with that fixed expression he puts on uh, as he's been asked questions. It, it's an agile mind, uh, but, but behind the mask of it, you can actually see there's something else definitely in the guy, you know, there's no doubt about it to me. Um, and to be involved in what he's involved in uh, as a front, definitely he's a front, he's a higher player, but he's still in the front, he's a worker bee. Uh, the real guys at the top are not work, they don't work at all, they're not worker bees. And they don't have to be accessible to the public. 
But he, here's the key to this, too. I, mean, I could go on for hours and hours and hours going to examples. But, but here's the key to it. Um, if you go into this World Revolutionary Party, for instance, uh, we know that Mazzini t uh, was given the right, the he, he, was, he was actually approved by, by um, uh, the, the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, Albert Pike at the time in the States, which wasn't from Scotland at all, by the way, really. Uh, but um, he approved Mazzini to go over and uh, take over the World Revolutionary Party across Europe, and he did, you know. And lots of books put out by him, or for him at least, they're all go most folk could get ghostwritten books in the Revolutionary Parties even down through the centuries. But eventually, um, uh, we know that Lenin took over, and, and then eventually it branched off from Bolshevik into communism, you see. It's all the one movement. And uh, if you look at Madame Blavatsky, who also was from Russia, I remember, uh, who grabbed some of the Masonic um, uh, occultic terminology, etc., and put out theosophy, blending it with India. Very interesting, that, too. And she says, why are you taking really mainly India as an example of Hinduism? And she said that, and this was part of the Revolutionary Party, that she said she was a member of, remember, and Alice Bailey, uh, it's, it's always ABs that take over. Alice Bailey, Bailey was one of them. Uh, and uh, Blavatsky, of course, was an HB. But there are two ones were, were famous, were almost uh, AB uh, types. And um, one, of them, one of them was a founding member. One of the famous was a founding member, along with H.G. Wells, of, again, of the, uh, um, and George Bernard Shaw, of the Fabian Society. So uh, you're looking at a, a tradition of, of international um, revolution, which she boasted she'd been part of. And, and at the same time, she said her, her goal was blending it from India, not just for a mass migration from India down the road. Her goal is also to blend the spirit with science. Well, when you look at all these characters within technocracy, uh, with the Bill Gates types and all the other ones working, look at even Epstein. Uh, definitely a front man for a massive operation uh, for honey traps and so on and blackmail. And we know lots about that. But regardless, Epstein himself ha was so interested in genetics and eugenics uh, and also with science. He, he put big money towards uh, uh, groups in uh, uh, MIT, for instance, who got the first information on scientific projects. Incredibly interesting in science and in the future of going into this, this idea of immortality. Uh, and I gave a talk in the, in the 90s about this, this actually. I said, what is a demon? Uh, a demon, uh, technically, is a, is a, a bodiless entity, um, a powerful entity, but bodiless nonetheless. What does it crave the most? It craves a body to inhabit. Um, the fallen angel's idea in religion was to do with um, uh, those that were cast down, the rebels. And you'll find today, <laughs> and all the occultic and exoteric groups out there that run the world, they talk about um, uh, Lucifer being a champion, along with Eve, breaking the rules uh, to create progress. What's the mantra of the left? It's called progressiveness you know, and progressive. Uh, destroying the rules, rebuilding society, rebuilding that which is left imperfect, which is the world and humanity. Uh, that's the mantra of them all. So anyway, you go into this idea of um, an ent a demon, a fallen angel, a rebel, you know, 
two million supposedly um, were cast down out of the six million and um, they, they could go in and out of different bodies they, they accept them you have to accept a demon in you see and so with, through the new age <laughs> you get lots of fault-watching power that's where they go into it you see and they become possessed themselves but um, the ones at the top go through all these different rituals amongst themselves uh, to bring in the higher demons there's intelligence song, like, like, like ranks in the military different intelligences you see um, so <laughs> what, what do they crave the most perpetual a demon wants perpetual existence in this world you know the, the immortality in a yeah. body that will not die you see yeah, uh, yeah you, you talked about everything there, there's a little clip of him when he was uh, supposedly starting to be questioned about his uh, his activities and he, he has the same uh, grin on his face as if he knows he's immune from anything yeah you know, nobody's touching him and Jimmy Savile was exactly the same yes when, he, when people spoke to him you could see that kind of malicious uh, oh, yeah. on his face yeah and he knew he was he was uh, he was Defence. He, he, you know, he had these backers to police he had paid mm-hmm. himself, and uh, he was uh, untouchable. He, he said he was untouchable, Jimmy Savile. Yeah. And that documentary yeah. that was a trope put out there. Um, yeah. He, he said that. He, he says, yeah. yeah, he says you can't touch me. Uh, and just round from Savile's house, by the way. And again, had this odd thing too, with the fixation with her mothers and things. You know, I mean, Savile literally treated his mother like a goddess. You know, and. Um, but, he, but around from his, around the corner from his house was where one of those, uh, was, was it, who, who was it did the murders, the man and the woman there? It was uh, Yorkshire, Fred West. Yeah, yeah. No, so. uh, was it Fred West? I think it was. Oh, it's was one of them anyway. Um, was oh, it, was, it, anyway. was yeah, it the Moore one? There's also the Moore murders. And, but, yeah. um, but anyway, just, just, it was just right in the corner of, of where his house is. That happened. It makes me wonder, <laughs> it's an awful wonder too, was he having communication with Savile back in, in and out and all the rest of it, you know? Well, the police actually took uh, his dental records at one point because oh. there was a teeth marks on one on that body that was found in his home. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, they knew they knew he was involved. Oh, he, 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 Scotland wasn't just a battle, that, that last battle of Culloden. Uh, it was predicted long before it. I mean, uh, that area was called Dromossi Moor, you know. And, and, and Culloden was a later, uh, a term that they gave just before, the, not long before the battle. You know. had Culloden House, for instance. But Dromossi Moor was the actual area. And, and the Brehan the seer, he was a, a seer, that was a Celtic thing we had folk that weren't possessed but they had um, a link to higher power which Malachi Martin did mention too and it's, it's true in Catholic theology certain people have gifts given to them that they don't seek it you know people who seek gifts generally are, are looking for demons to possess them but some folk have certain um, abilities or six senses and uh, Culloden is almost the culling of Odin you know and the Odin is, is again the north, the northern peoples. Uh, but the, the, the Brehan seer in the 1500s uh, was a great prophet that different clansmen used to go to for advice and so on. 
And he talks about um, the place that, that would eventually have the black rain, he called it. Well, that's oil, which and had oil rigs not far from that site, down at, down at um, on the coast there, in the northeast, uh, with an American company that ran at the time, McDermott, it was. But uh, the brain seer talked about the place that eventually would have the black rain. He, he said before that, um, the, the flower of Scotland, the young men, you know, would, would, would uh, have their last battle on Dromossi Moor uh, 200 years before it happened. And that's exactly what did happen. It's never been explained why on earth Charlie and the armies came right up to that particular spot. Because Highlanders never charged on the flat, boggy ground <laughs> on foot, you know. Uh, but they did it. It made no sense at all. And um, what you realize, this was a planned thing too. It was already planned. We know that even going back to the McDonnell uh, slaughter that happened with the Campbells that, that were an army that worked for the English king. They were sent in to, 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 the, to, to meet the McDonnell clan and, and uh, um, eventually came in as, as friends and guests and they're put up and they got the orders. They slaughtered the folk at night that put them up, all the, the, the actual McDonnells, and they did that. It's never been forgiven to this day. So they've never trusted the, the English or British army or folk employee of the British Army, but but it, it actually at Culloden, that was the final one. The king had decided to to um, eliminate the whole Highland race actually, and so it started at the battle, <laughs> but they went through for like 50 years slaughtering the folk across the Highlands, you know, and islands, uh, man, women, and children, massive genocide. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, interesting. The the Campbells actually set up this town that I live in now in the States. So, yeah. <laughs> just a coincidence. And they've got murals actually up on the walls in some of the downtown yeah. areas showing the, the, the tartans and stuff. Sure. But anyway, you, is, there, is there anything else you want to mention on that, the demonic side or... Yeah, well, the demonic side is too. It's the ones that, are, even getting back to Culloden, I mean, it was um, the Duke of Cumberland that was really from back part of this Prussian-German group that came over from, and became the royalty of Britain. Uh, he's given all the accolades for slaughtering the Highlanders, um, but he said it too. He says, well, "Let none of them live, man, woman, or child." Uh, th this was a psychopath. He went down in history as a hero <laughs> for for London, you know, and royalty. Uh, a man who had no no compassion of any kind at all. Um, and and <laughs> you're talking about real planned genocide that was published, you know. And even in their letters, which they still have today, from the king to him, uh, absolutely, you, you can't fathom that. And you wonder what I, I used to say to people who come to Scotland. This is, they say, oh, what a wonderful islands. And so, I says, they say it's so roomy. Eh? I say, yeah, yeah. I says because millions of folk were slaughtered. They used to live here. <laughs> yeah. 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 I also said to somebody else the other day that uh, somebody was talking about um, Black Lives Matter uh -huh. and saying, oh, the what reparations there? I said, well, the, the Scots have been slaughtered for, for centuries. I said, maybe we should claim some money off the English. Did you? <laughs> And here's the problem too, though. A good part of the English army that fought at Culloden for, for London uh, were part of the British army. They were Scottish. That, that Lowland Scots, Scots Greys and so on, they were part of the English regiments. Eh? So, so once again, they can divide up a country and get part of them fighting the rest of them for money. It's a wonderful thing keeping folk in poverty, because young guys always join the military. It's, it's, it's almost an instinctive thing. Nothing else is there. 
And well, the, 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 again, that's, that's, that's where we're going again, isn't it? Because uh, yes. people are going to be so poor and the, the military will be dangled in front of them as a, yeah. as a way to get out of poverty. Or you can send money back to your family as you're starving back That's exactly. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's uh, move on to something else you mentioned. Uh, coming this, this winter, the winter of discontent. Yeah. Now, I, I remember when that phrase was out back in the 70s uh -huh. uh, with the power cuts. I was only a young lad then. Yeah. Uh, in the 70s, 70, 73, 74, something like that. Yeah. And I remember the blackouts, the three-day week. Uh, the, the television went off at 8 o'clock right after Coronation Street, of course, uh -huh. because uh, they had to get the soap opera in there. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a bad time, and uh, we, were, we were basically rationing food at that time. But yeah. It was four of us, four children. Uh -huh. And, you know, they, they struggled to make ends meet, and that, that's exactly where we were headed to now if we're not already there. Yes. Uh, in many parts of uh, the States and Britain. Mm -hmm. um, and parts of Europe, of course, as well, Australia, New Zealand. Yep. And, and it's funny that uh, the most draconian legislation is all in the colonies. Yes. Uh, the New Zealand and Australia have been it's awful. I mean, they're, they're even worse than Britain is at the moment. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, the, the winter of discontent. Well, they want to get everything that happens in a wartime scenario is being is is being put on the, on the table and introduced step by step, including down to rationing. Heavier, don't forget. Let's just jump from here. Let's never never forget the past, the build up to this, where the Club of Rome were given the task of, of it's a big think tank for for the WEF and for the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They, they are the think the main think tank for for the future, planning the future and techniques to implement it. And they came up with their, not just limits to growth, etc. That was also parted by Maurice Strong, all these global players, but also they, they came up with um, and I, how to unite the planet to convince the public to, to stop consuming and, and go into almost a post-consumer society. The Club of Rome, by the way, from its very inception uh, by, by well-known players uh, against the, the general population, the eugenicists and so on, um, the Club of Rome have stated from the beginning that democracy would never work. That was one of their main goals, was to replace democracy with an efficient technocratic system of running the populace, which is massive, really heavy socialism, you know. And they said that um, uh, they were given the task to unite the planet. So they tried, looked at all different ways to get the public to, to unite and give up their rights, you see. And they said that, um, that the climate is what they picked. They said uh, global warming, famine and drought uh, and the like uh, would fit, and pestilence would fit the bill. Man, therefore, is the enemy of the planet. Uh, and so they'd have to direct all the uh, uh, arrangements and agreements and, and organisations against reducing the population, to reducing the population. And that's what you've had be hammering at you ever yeah. since the 1970s. So. Yeah, well, we've had, the, we've had the climate thing, which uh, didn't work. Uh, now we're getting the pestilence to begin the climate But that's what they said. Recently, I mean, I put up on my site too, uh, links to the, the, concern, uh, the COR, um, Club of Rome, where there's a woman that's ahead of it now, and she said that uh, we're going to achieve all this, this is wonderful, we can achieve all the sustainability and greening goals uh, under, the, under the COVID umbrella. And so right now, and even in the last few days again, they keep repeating it, they said that no, no company would be allowed to restart and open up again unless it's green and sustainable. Which tells you there's yeah. obviously a group above them who's going to decide if you're green and sustainable. 
Yeah, and uh, the, <laughs> the, part, the reason the pubs are, are closed in Ireland as well, I guess, uh, yeah. because um, the people talk there. Uh -huh. But it's, apparently it's only, uh, only country in Europe where the pubs are still closed. Yes. Uh, it's Ireland, funnily enough. Isn't that amazing? But, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I guess, uh, I'd say we've, we've had the climate change, we've had the, we're, we're in the middle of the, the, the pandemic pestilence, uh -huh. and uh, the famine and drought still to come, I guess. Oh, yeah. And don't, for, don't forget, I mean, we've, we've had uh, uh, stacks and stacks of information and, and, and meetings, and university meetings and Harvard meetings and publications about the geoengineering they've been doing since, you know, pretty well daily since the 19, 1998. That's when they started the daily stuff, you know. Uh, so bringing on a famine or floods is quite a child's play today. We've watched it. Those who've got eyes to see can have watched it for years as, as they lace the skies with these uh, trails and so on. Then the weather changes. This is old stuff. But they have meetings about it, always pretending if we do this down the road to save the world, it might have fallout on the public, you know. But, but in reality, they've been doing it all along. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, been, there's been so many articles out uh, recently about uh, food vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, particularly beef, like thousands of tons of beef being recalled for some other, some spurious reason. But isn't that uh, interesting? Well, here's something, we've got, to, we've got to remember this. Whatever's to happen here, we saw happening in China under the trial and before we got it. And remember all those thousands of tons of meat at the docks and, uh, and China there, left to rot. Same thing, this is months ago. Months and months ago, January, February, that was happening. So we, that was all the trials to see how they could work things. And then they did sur immediate surveys on the populace to see if they went along with it and accepted it. And, uh, any problems where they wouldn't go along with it, how would you get around those problems? How would you fix those problems to get folk to accept stuff? They, they tried it all out in the Chinese before they're putting it out here. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've seen recently, the, the massive uh, thousands of tons of beef, uh, peaches, yeah. onions, uh, lemons, Mm -hmm. uh, all, all like the Britain Sea stuff, uh, as I say, the beef, uh, etc. Chickens, yeah. of course. That's right. Gone after them as well. Uh -huh. And um, it's uh, they've dragged out Attenborough again, uh, and uh, the <laughs> other one, that, that comedian Stephen Fry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Extinction Rebellion mm -hmm. being all over the Guardian this week. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's go protest. They're all out protesting now, that, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, they wear masks because they, they might want to do something violent and not be recognised. <laughs> but that's okay. That's uh -huh. okay. Uh -huh. uh, I'm, I'm sure you saw the one in the States where the, <laughs> literally the, the city was on fire behind the guy and yeah. he's going there. Uh, oh, it's a few fires, but it's mainly peaceful. It may be peaceful, that's right. And, it, yeah, and they could even hear gunshots in there too in the extended version of that clip, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's madness, but uh, people, are, people are falling for it. Well, it's gaslighting. It's, it's the gaslighting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Even it, and it's so, so much. See, here's the, the key to it. Eventually, the public, through, through training, through television and experts, uh, would be trained that they couldn't trust their own intuition uh, and observance of things and, and, and their own um, opinions that were formed from what they were experiencing. You wouldn't trust them anymore. And lots of folk are like that. They'll see on TV exactly the opposite of what they're experiencing, but they'd rather believe the TV version because they've been trained to believe in authority speaking through that little tube. 
I, I don't I don't understand how anybody can look at Bill Gates uh, <laughs> talking about injecting genetically modified organisms directly into the yeah. arms of babies, and he's making the motions with a needle. I know, and he's and he's smiling as he does it. His wife. Well, never mind that. I mean, look 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 at the the, the massive lawsuits that, that were in against him across India and Africa for giving polio to the people that he was giving the the the, the, the vaccines to, and things like that. You know? I mean, these are look into the India Times and, and different in, in newspapers in India. They've got uh, stacks of information on this. This is real stuff. Uh, and I can remember when Bill Gates grew back. And again, who gives him the right to go across the planet testing experimental vaccines on people? I mean, they bribe the tribesmen and the leaders and so on. And that's how they can get in there. And of course, because uh, there's no real media in the areas, there's no voice of the people who get infected with these things. This has been, this has been on the go for years and years and years. And um, uh, but when he went into India, and other, part, other parts of Africa too. He was given some of them uh, a, a live vaccine. It was in the spray form for, for oral, you know. And it turns out it, it, the World Health Organization, I don't think they've scrubbed it yet on their own sites, but uh, I kept all this stuff from years ago. Uh, the World Health Organization eventually had to come out and admit uh, that they'd given, they'd introduced a new, it became a new live strain of, vaccine, of uh, polio and those peoples that they couldn't control, you know, with the present vaccine. Whatever they introduced was a modified uh, version of, of the virus. And it says well, that, apparently yeah. that's, uh, that's the only strain that's still going. That's right. Yeah. They call it, they, now they call that the wild virus. <laughs> but, yeah. but the old... <laughs> yeah, this is how the whole the, the game is played. But this guy literally, oh, yeah, he's a psychopath. I mean, he, he never answers a question directly. He, he's all, he just skips around and everything. And his hands are going all the time, you know. It's, it's, and you do wonder what's in that, that body, that physical body, because it's like it doesn't know how to control the gestures. <laughs> but I was thinking, too, of, of Fauci. I mean, Fauci's wife, you know, is... Um, as a eugenicist, uh, and she's into the, what do they call it now, um, uh, uh, to do with, with bioethics. Bioethics. She's a bi she runs a bioethics organization for the states, under the president, by the way, and gets millions of bucks sent to them, too. And they're deciding through, through the Rockefeller Foundation. You probably saw their, their big uh, presentation to the president a few months ago, um, where they get, where they said, "Here's the whole, here's the whole un unrolling of the agenda, using bioethics and bioethical uh, lawyers to, to, to manage the general population, and right down to life and who gets medication, who won't get medication, etc." You talk about psychopaths. Poof, uh, there's regiments of them now. When, when you look back at the, you meant, mentioned the antitrust laws earlier, uh -huh. and of course Bill Gates was prosecuted under that yep. before. But when you look at that clip of him being questioned, uh -huh. uh, and, and he's asked if he's concerned about something, and he, yeah. he replies something like, what do you mean by concerned? <laughs> I don't And his accent everything is completely different to what it is today. Yeah. His whole demeanor is completely different. Uh -huh. And it's just, just like uh, Rockefeller has been made as philanthropist and remodeled. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. but he's still got the silly jumpers and the, the daft haircut and stuff like that to, uh -huh. to make him look like a geek. Yes, and, and yet he was, no, he was no computer geek. He's a businessman. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the partners that started up the company, Microsoft, uh, who all say the same. He was just a businessman. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a Paul Allen. That's yeah, guy was. that's right. And uh, he, he tried to steal his. Uh, yes, he did. He tried to steal his money at the end, and the uh, guy was dying of cancer. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
And, and, and the key is too, though. Uh, you see, Bill Gates um, uh, grabbed a lot of stuff, that, that programs, etc., from, from from IBM. And so Gates already was a front man from the world. For the, I call it the World Corporation. <laughs> The, the, the real group that runs the planet because it's untouchable they, 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 they do what they want with impunity they really do I mean as I say no, no one's going to go after him no one's going to go after uh, Soros in fact they'll hammer you for mentioning his name uh, but, but the fact is I mean to hear a, a person uh, advocating what really is the overthrow of the US congressional system whether you like it or, or not makes a difference uh, he's advocating insurrection along with the top politicians, and no one is going after him. All these youngsters in the streets are taking their commands from, from, from hearing uh, speeches by guys like that as, as an authority. You know. well, as I say, if you and I stood in a, a soapbox in Parliament yeah. Square, like I'm going to say, right, we're going to the government, yes. so we're going to leave this city in ashes. Uh, uh -huh. We'd never see the light of you again. No, you wouldn't. So it, it, it tells me there is already the world governmental system. And the World Bank is all part of it. Don't forget the World Bank is part of the, on the board of the WEF, you know. Private bank, eh? Yeah, well, that, that's another question you can never get answered. Why do governments borrow money from a private bank? No well, one yeah. That one. Well, well it's, it's magicians, you see. Yeah. Because if you or I counted up the, the, the debts and income of, of countries, uh, we, we'd say, my God, we owe billions and trillions and trillions. But these guys are magicians. That's why they bring them in from other countries uh, into the States, the Federal Reserve. Uh, and whoever they see the stuff that would freak you out, they have no problem with that. They can fix it all. You know? They're magic, you see. Because it's nothing to do with accounting, obviously. <laughs> it's pure magic. You know? yeah. It's completely bogus. I mean, there's nothing backing anything. No, the move I was uh, I was walking uh, down by the lake the morning there, and uh, the, the, the city council has uh, got these guys cutting all the grass there, and they're all on the, the best, the best, the best possible practice you could ever have. Uh -huh. John Deere's, you know, the, yeah. everyone was brand new, and you're thinking, hold on a minute, it's really a waste of money here. <laughs> this, this is outrageous. Uh -huh. you know, there's a cheaper tractor than that. Yes. All they do is cutting grass. They're, they're not digging or anything. You know, that's right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you know, uh -huh. and somebody's got a backhand or somewhere, some showroom somewhere that sells John Deere or a friend or something. Yeah, and uh, that's how that works. But uh, mm -hmm. as I say, even you could tell, even in that city hall uh, a few weeks ago, myself and Bolly, you, you could tell the whole place is corrupt. You yes, could tell, you yeah. can sense it, uh -huh. and uh, you know they're not listening to you. No, um, and you're not going to make any difference to what they vote and what they don't vote. But, as I say, it's, uh, I think it's important to make your voice heard so they can't claim they didn't it, go it, it, it is. Here's the key again. <clears throat> when you see all the left-wing politicians in the States literally sworn allegiance to this overthrow of the U.S. government. <laughs> uh, literally, you know, and, and they've already said it, Pelosi said it, and Hillary Clinton said it, they're not going to accept uh, any verdict from Trump about Trump. And, and another one, too, the, the one that... that, that um, Harris, they're putting up there. She said too a few days ago uh, that this this rioting and, and, and destruction is not going to end up end with Trump, or or even if they get in, it's going to continue right through the year. I mean, what yeah, is this you are listening to here? <laughs> yeah, we've got a little uh, speakeasy bar here, which we're actually going to go after the show. Uh -huh. um, but I mean, but people are are a bit more open-minded there for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, just, ah, nobody wears masks, nobody social distances or anything. Mm. It's just a little shoehorn bar. Yeah. Uh, everybody gets along. But, uh, again, back to the key. The key is so important. 
is, is that they're all on board with this exact same agenda, not, not for the good of the country. They're all paid off, obviously. They're all part of a, an other organization, obviously, uh, that's above your, your federal government. And uh, I've no doubt on that whatsoever. Uh, also, you look at the sustainability groups that, that started to graft themselves on even local councils over the last 20 years. All ex-civil servants retiring, taking early retirement, moving to areas, and then graft themselves on local councils to do with sustainability. So, you know, we didn't vote them in. They just all appeared. And now that they've made their agreements, no matter what happens, if the states like the U.S. refuse to go along with the sustainability or, or the climate change agreement, uh, they're passing it state by state themselves because they've grafted themselves on to the governments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, all, who are they working for? Someone's at the top, of, you know, paying them all. Well, that's, that's my, uh, my next visit to the City Hall to, to speak on whatever issue it is, uh, uh -huh. I'm going to ask them who they're working for. Yes. Because they're clearly not working for anybody in the room. Absolutely. You know, uh, and, uh, well, but, uh, as I'm saying, there's, there's one guy there who, who's adamant that this is all going to be over in November after the election, and I've said to him, I said, look, and he's a friendly guy, we chat away, and he doesn't wear a mask to the store and all that kind of thing. Uh, and I said, look, we'll have a different conversation after November, yeah. because it ain't going to stop, this is going on and on and on. And sure. you mentioned Kamala Harris, and, uh, mm -hmm. of course, she had to admit, or her father had to admit, that her ancestors were slave owners. That's so right. why don't Black Lives Matter go after her first? Uh-huh, exactly. And, and these are telling points, because it's nothing to do with what was portrayed by the media. It's a different, or, this is a big organisation, uh, that's a global organisation that has so much of the power, that runs pretty well every country in the planet right now. Not them all, completely. But uh, this is the big fight, and I've said it, that the Soros said at the WEF, I mean, they brought him back on to give it the special speech. And he said, we've got to get to, Trump must be removed completely, he says. Well, he's telling the richest people on the planet that this, this man has to be removed. Whether you like him or not, it makes no difference. The fact is, uh, you're advocating the over, you're advocating insurrection and overthrow of another country. Well, and, you, and you're funding it. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that would be classed as a threat if you or I said it. Yes, it would be, or anybody else for that matter. Yeah. yeah. But um, what was I was going to say something there. Uh, uh, Ireland, again. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I think... In, well, no, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to uh, go on to the WF, make it supposedly uh, delayed their next meeting in Davos until uh -huh. June, apparently. Uh, do you think there's anything in that, or is that just a smokescreen? It's a smokescreen. They, they, these yeah. guys are the busiest guys. They are technically a world government, you know. And, um, and they have their own trade. They, on their own website, they've been training folk for the last 50 years to be world leaders. I mean, that's what they, they pick. They pick children and they, they, they groom them to be leaders of all different areas of sustainability and politics, etc. Uh, so, no, they, they're not some simple little NGO here. This is a multi-trillion dollar organization uh, set up again by a leading technocrat of his time. And he was, you know, a technocrat. And he still is. He's in that Schwab. So, so he, this is a, the, the system they want to bring in is a managed uh, from birth to grave as a system for every individual on the planet, and eventually the, 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 the gradual eradication of the of the useless eaters, as Bertrand Russell called them. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw somebody reporting on the the, deli the, the delayed the meet because of the behind schedule and what they want to do. And I'm yes. thinking, well, uh, these guys don't get behind schedule. Rem remember what Bertrand Russell said, and he was a member of the Macy group, the Frankfurt School, and the groups that were put in there with, with, after FDR and Truman uh, to help create a new, a new uh, culture for the Americas. And he said that by diet, injection, and injunction, uh, we shall alter the world. And, and control the people. Yeah. yeah and of course, it's, uh, it got along with the, uh, the food scarcity <laughs> and uh, the food recalls. They're also pushing the vegan stuff and uh, the Beyond Meat yeah. and all that. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah, sure. Fact, every day there's stuff coming out about it. Uh -huh. uh, the best way to go vegan, the best way to do this, and yes. all that nonsense. And, and uh, eat crickets, yeah, eat crickets and bugs, yeah. Yeah, yeah and these guys eat the best beef on the planet. Yes. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Anyway. So, we've done our two hours eventually, uh -huh. Alan, yeah. after uh, our technical problems. It flew in. Uh, <laughs> hopefully you got that. Hopefully you got that. Well, we could go on and on and on, but uh, people uh, won't listen to more than this. I know. But uh, we'll maybe do it again next month. Sure. Um, but uh, hopefully you got it recorded and we got it recorded and between us we can get it out anyway. Yeah, see if you can get yours up first and I'll look into it and I'll look at this, this recording here and see yeah, if it's yeah. working. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, I've actually, I've actually, uh, it's in the other room, but uh, I've actually got one of Malachi Martin's books, and I can't remember the title of it. Uh -huh. I started reading it once, and then I got onto something else, but I can't remember what it's called. Uh -huh. but, uh, I'll, I'll send you an email and, tell you, and let you know that I've got this uh, recording done or whatever. Okay, doke, thank you. Yeah. Okay, that's been awesome. terrific. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm still trying to uh, get a source for yeast, but I can't get somebody to reply to me to say, are you posting it? Uh, Canada Post or uh, uh, whatever. Yeah. Just don't get back to you. And the one I got before, I think that was just a scammer because you then refused to send me a tracking number for the, yeah, the package yeah. sent to the post office. So. Sure. Um, but as far as I know, Ian's, Ian's sending you stuff from Ireland. Yeah, anybody sending anything to me has to send it by regular post because UPS yeah. and, and FedEx won't deliver here because it's an un unorganized township, they call it, you know. <laughs> and so we won't toe the line and, and just buckle under. So. Um, regular post gets you, and even then, don't, don't um, expedite it or insure it because it always arrives. You know, the post always arrives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that because uh, I'm still on the list for UPS this year, and hopefully I'll, I'll get started with them uh -huh. uh, in September, October. Yeah. But uh, they've been employing a lot, a lot of people in, in Canada. Oh, recently. yeah. Well, the UPS, you see, don't, don't deliver outside the cities. Even though they say, if you've got an address, we shall deliver, they're lying. Because uh, I've been, I've had balance with them for years where they've kept stuff sent to me, generally at Christmas time. And, uh, and they won't deliver. They won't, even tell, they won't even phone you up to tell you there's something, even in the head office, even though it's maybe 25 miles away, you know. Um, yeah. You're supposed to go and get it yourself. So what's the point uh, when I have to go a 50-mile round trip to a pair of socks or something? Yeah. Which, by the way, they had signed out to somebody else. <laughs> I, I, I said to them last, last Christmas, I said, you might have a good Christmas. I said, I'm sure you've plundered enough of the customer's goods. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they, they actually, they delivered uh, out to the rural areas here, but of course, there's no snow on the roads. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy. Well, even in the summer, they won't do it here. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, they've certainly employed enough people to be able to do it, I'll tell you, because uh, I get the email every day about the, the post available. And, uh, and particularly even around uh, uh, Ontario, where you are, it yeah. employs a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yep. who knows what they're doing. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, we'll call that day of that then, will we? Okay, doke.